welcome to a very special episode of the Big Six and a Half Podcast. I'm your co-host, Tim Crean. With me shortly, as always, will be Mike Calandrello, the Cal of Cal and Crean. This is our 2022 MLS preview extravaganza. We recorded our podcast this week. We did our normal Premier League Big Six recap. We went a little long on Mike's Club Tottenham playing my club Man City. And then we jumped into MLS and that went a little long as well. So we decided to break this up into two episodes. On this episode, we will get you ready for Saturday and Sunday's kickoff of the 2022 Major League Soccer season. We go through the top teams from the playoff last year. We talk about some teams that didn't make the playoffs, but are interesting, that are worth watching, that have some players and managers that you want to check out. So this will get you ready for Saturday and Sunday's kickoff. Hope you enjoy. We are just days, and by the time you're listening to this, maybe moments away from the kickoff of the 27th Major League Soccer season, or as we call it here in the States and Canada, MLS. Hey, Tim, we know how big a fan I am, but what What about what about you, a guy who's relatively new to the American soccer scene, not the U.S. men's national team, but, but the homegrown player, the, the expanding league, the league that used to be the retirement league. How, what are your thoughts going into the 27th season? And, and who are you throwing your support behind now? So I'm, I'm incredibly excited for, for the season. You know, this is soccer in America has a long and complicated history. Lots of up and downs. Through the last years, though, of getting younger players, developing their own talent system, developing both players from South America, players from the United States, either keeping them in-house or sending them abroad. Major League Soccer, in its 2026 seasons now, has become a real player on the world stage, and that's cool. I think that this season is going to be even more exciting than ever, and I'm excited to not have to wake up at 6 a.m. to watch a a world-class soccer game, more than anything. But my allegiances lie with NYCFC, the the reigning champions, uh, for two reasons. Uh, one, they're owned by City Football Group, the uh, of course the group that owns Manchester City and a million other uh, teams around the world, and because they are the team in my backyard. I am uh, just a few uh, dozen miles north of New York City here, and Yankee Stadium is uh, is relatively close to me. It's a uh, it's a half an hour train ride or so. So I do plan on getting to an NYCFC game this year, and uh, which will be my first uh, my first NYCFC game since they've been around. They've been around what? Four years, five years, somewhere in that neighborhood. 2015, they came in the same year as Orlando City. Yeah. Okay. So seven years. There we go. So that's so I have not gotten to a game uh, in that time, but I'm planning on it this year. And I think that's a great place to start, as we are the Big Six and a Half podcast. Let's kick off our preview with the top six teams from last year, and then we'll give some little half thoughts about some of the other teams we're watching. And we also have a, a little bit of a power ranking uh, system in there that me and you uh, thought about. So, Mike, tell us what to expect from my team, the reigning MLS champions, NYCFC. His team. Listen, listen to this guy. He's just coming in here and he's claiming the best team in all the land. Like, you gotta love it. You gotta love it. But yes, they are the reigning champions. But no, there has not been a repeat champion in a decade when that was the Los Angeles Galaxy featuring some guy named David Beckham. Landon Donovan. Like I've heard of him, yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he, there's a movie about his foot. Um, Landon Donovan 
and Robbie Keane. Man, Robbie Keane, Spurs legend. Loved it. They won back-to-back MLS Cups in 2011-2012. So this is this is my little thing to put in your ear, Tim, as a, as a recent NYCFC supporter. And you know this about soccer and sports in general. Um, they're returning... Eight of the 11 starters from last year's cup winning team. And we know that when you don't have a lot of turnover, it's a good thing. And then also when you don't bring in enough new blood, it can also be a bad thing. Uh, So it's going to be an interesting piece of the pie because they were a four seed last year. Again, they played well over their heads. They were not expected to um, really contend and they put it all together. Uh, They did go out and they, they sold... Uh, James Sands, who looked really good in uh, in the Gold Cup, uh, USA won the Gold Cup, so they, they, he looked real good. They they capitalized on him. They they sent him to Rangers on an 18 month loan with a purchase option. Um, he's playing really well for Rangers. Uh, so again, it's great for U.S. Men's National Team. But the key, the key to NYCFC's possible push for another title is going to be the Golden Boot winner, Argentinian Tate Castellanos. The kid is 21. And again, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that he's still there um, because he was linked to River Plate all, all offseason. There was times where he was basically out the door. And we know now that Julian Alvarez is headed to, surprisingly, is, is headed to Man City, that there is definitely an opening at River Plate for a number nine. And this kid scored 23 goals in 35 games, all competitions last season. So um, a little interesting that transfer markets got them rated at about a seven and a half million dollar price tag when it, uh, City has come out and said all along we we have a fifteen million dollar target on him. If you want to purchase him, that's where the bidding will start. So uh, that that would be an all time high for for an MLS player. Um, so yeah, so again he's there. I think it's good for him. Perhaps we could see him move again. Uh, you know, August, which would really, you know, which would hurt NYCFC because that's, you know, the, the heat of the summer, you know, we're going into the playoff stretch. Uh, but, but again, he's, he's really exciting. He's got a lot to offer and, you know, you better hope for your sake as a, as a fan that he is not sold. That's right. Tati Castellanos, huge early twenties. I mean, so, you know, I don't have a ton to add to any of these kind of previews. So what, what I'm going to do in this role is kind of be the informed questioner, you know, and I've, I've done my research. I, I know some about these guys. I have, you know, last season watched not as much MLS as I liked, but enough where I kind of understand where, where people are at. And for Tati here, first of all, I think that they the fact they didn't sell him to River Plate, which would seem like a lateral move at best, really does speak to where MLS is on the global stage right now, is they don't have to take single-digit millions for a, for a striker, A, to keep the financials of their league up. I mean, City Financial Group has more money than pretty much anyone else in the world, so I'm not think they're, they're not hurting for, for cash here. But my question is, if he wins another golden boot, is, is River Plate out of the question, and now he becomes a, a real European prospect? Is that something you see this year? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I could see him at any number of higher echelon clubs even where you know even EPL teams you know I could see him at at a West Ham I could see him at a Leicester replacing a guy like Jamie Vardy um I'm not quite ready to to see him at a big six but we'll give him the half I mean there's plenty of half teams there um I was like again we'll talk about Orlando City but I was surprised to see a guy like Daryl DK go to the the championship with West Brom 
um, for nine and a half million dollars. So I think Tati's got, he's proven, he's a little bit more proven. Obviously, he's won a golden boot. So I can definitely see him. I can see him stepping in in a Bundesliga team. I mean, you don't tech, usually see a lot of Argentinians go that route. Um, but, but I can see him stepping into to a nice mid-level club and, and doing some things. You know, there was rumors with Brendan Aronson going to Leeds. You know, uh, Rafinha was, was linked with a number of teams. So maybe Castellanos goes to a team like Leeds. But I, I just don't want to see... And I don't think it'll happen now that River Plate has sold uh, Alvarez. I wouldn't want to see Tati go to Man City just because, you know, they're basically the, the minor league system. Uh, we saw it with Zach Steffen, who has, you know, he only plays in the Carabao Cups and the, the uh, you know, toilet bowls. Uh, he's never going to get ahead of, you know, of Ederson. And it's rightfully so. So for his career's sake, I wouldn't want to see that happen. But yeah, man, I would love to see because this kid has got a lot of talent. And I think if he comes out of the shoot um, on fire the way he was last year, you're probably going to see him sold in, in August, September-ish just because um, if you can get close to $15 million, that's a lot of money that can be recycled. And, and Maxi Morales, who's been at New York City forever, is 34. Um, he's kind of that linchpin. He, he can play the number 10. He can play the number 8. He, he's so good. He, I mean, he was there with David Villa and Andrea Pirlo and Frank Lampard. Um, and he's, thirty again, 34. And you can play a couple more years in MLS and be really, really uh, productive. But, you know, it's almost his time. Um, to move to, a, you know, maybe a bench spot. So they could definitely use some reinforcements. And, um, yeah, I, I just enjoy him while you can. That's all I can say. All right. So what I hear you saying is probably two or three years before he replaces Sergio Aguero at Manchester City. Is that uh, what I'm hearing? Is this three, two, yeah, three I mean, years it, it's right. possible, but it'll be, it'll be fun <laughs> to watch him and, uh, yeah, him and Alvarez up top. Yeah, that'd be interesting. There you go. Some, some, some Argentinians replacing uh, a long-term Argentinian. All right. So let's move on to the, the, the runner-up from last year. One of the prides of the Pacific Northwest, Northwest, the Portland Timbers. Mike, tell us about Portland. Well, I like their new kits. They got roses on them because it's the Rose City. Very city, cool. City of Roses. Basically, all the new MLS kits this year represent the city, which I think is pretty cool. Adidas did a really good job, you know, in some facet or another, they're representative. But I'm really down on this club. Um, they, again, another team that finished fourth in the regular season last year and, again, had an, a really strong playoff run to make the MLS Cup where they, they narrowly lost in a shootout. Um, so... I just don't see this team contending the way they did. It's largely, again, the same team, which, again, good and bad. Uh, they did lose club legend Diego Valeri. Um, he left. He, he went back to, to his homeland uh, to finish his career, and and that's going to be a loss. I mean, you're losing your captain. Even though he's, what, 35, he still had a lot to offer. Um, they did lose also their, their goalkeeper, Steve Clark. He's off to Houston. The one addition they did make was David Ayala, who was one of the top teenagers in Argentina's Primera. So sticking with that Argentinian flavor, um, it's it, there's a lot of Argentinians. I think they're like the third or fourth most uh, countrymen playing for MLS, obviously behind Americans, Canadians, and I think it's like Uruguay, um, Argentina, somewhere around there. So, um, yeah, again, Portland will make the playoffs because they're consistent, but I don't, if they make the cup again, I'll be, I'll be shocked. Yeah. David Ayala, someone I'm really interested in. He's only 19, has a, a lot of potential and, uh, could eventually become a top player for Argentina, which obviously we know what that means for, uh, for his career. If he does that. So he's a guy worth keeping an eye on. We'll see how much playing time he gets early and how much he develops into late. My question for this one, Mike, uh, is not really about the uh, Portland Timbers specifically, but it's something, something interesting. I heard Stu Holden kind of mention on the Alexi Lawless podcast. And for years, anyone who even remotely follows the MLS understands that 
in the Pacific Northwest, the Seattle Sounders, the Portland Timbers, that has been really the hotbed of MLS support in the country. And what Stu Holden said is he thinks that that kind of center of the MLS world is now shifting to the American South, where you have Nashville, where you have Austin, where you have your Orlando City, and where you have Atlanta. How do you feel about Do you think that the South is really taking over in MLS fandom from the Pacific Northwest? Yeah, I mean, that's... You kind of have to be here to to experience or or go to a game, but I can definitely agree with that sentiment. I mean, you go to you go to Nashville, and right now they're playing where the Titans play, so we're talking you know almost sixty thousand. And 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 we we said last week how Atlanta United plays where the Falcons play, so seventy five thousand. Um, obviously here in Orlando we have a soccer specific stadium, so does Austin. So you know you're talking about twenty five, but they're sold out every game. They're on TV. There's no blackouts, and the supporter clubs. There's numerous. There's three four different supporter clubs. I mean, it is it is a hotbed because people are genuinely excited about soccer, which is it's awesome because, I mean, at least in, you know, Florida and Georgia, you've got a lot of, you know, the the South America, Latin Latin America influences. You wouldn't necessarily think places like, you know, Nashville and, um, you know, even going up a little further now, Charlotte, which has got a brand new team inaugural season. They are super excited about soccer. And I think that that is awesome. And I think that just gives that home field advantage so much more of, of a real kick in the, in, in the boots because I'm telling you, you go to, when you go to a game this year, I don't know how it's going to be. I've only seen it on TV, a game at Yankee Stadium, but I can't see it comparing to um, the drumline that you see at LAFC, the drumline that you see of the standing supporter sec- section at Orlando City of you know 4,000 people standing the entire game chanting, drumming. I mean, it's awesome. It brings that pageant- pageantry and that flair from South America. I mean, there is the, there is the parade uh, an hour before the game where the supporters clubs come in and they're banging and they got their flares going and it's awesome I mean it is so good and I know you know like they do in Portland they've got every time they score a goal they they literally chop a giant piece of wood um and they do they have something in Atlanta where they bang a big nail into you know this big I guess it's supposed to be like a train track so there's a lot of really cool things uh that are going on and it's great for the south I mean I don't necessarily want to see the you know MLS expand to 40 teams because that's just going to be too many especially when we've still got the USL and we've got so many other leagues and going on I want this this you know league to stay solvent and actually continue but we they probably are going to expand Las Vegas has been mentioned uh, San Diego is a possibility Detroit there's so many clubs that want to come and we know we've got St. Louis coming in next year um but yeah man if you get a chance come down to to the south see a game uh, i'll show you around the, the craft brew section of uh, of paramore which is where orlando city plays it's a, it's just so much fun um i you know i hope to go to a lot of games this year i, I tend to go to five or six a year and I, lafc is coming on april 2nd that's going to be awesome i have not seen lafc play carlos vela um superstar so gonna be a lot of fun um hey you know what don't knock the hustle the south knows what they're doing when it comes <laughs> to its soccer yeah, and- you know, first of all, don't think I didn't hear the uh, the shot at NYCFC fans and a lot of people take it City fans uh, over the years about uh, I, I I caught that in there, but yeah, in reading about the Charlotte Club, it's what three four days away from playing their first ever game, but they've had a supporters club since 2017, I think I read that that's that's crazy that people down there are getting so into it, and I love to see that. I would almost say, and Mike, I'm going to step on your dad joke here. I would almost say that uh, that's a revolution in soccer. Which brings us to our next team, the New England Revolution. What do you have to say about them? And that they're joke? the reigning supporters' shield winners. Which, if you, it doesn't really mean anything at the end of the day if you don't win the the cup. I mean, it's great to have the most points in all of Major League Soccer at the end of the season. It, it look, it is an accomplishment. You've got Bruce Arena, who's still your head coach. You know, U.S. Men's National Team legend. 
uh, didn't do so, do so great last time when he was brought in after Jurgen Klinsmann was fired and, you know, we didn't get to uh, the, the World Cup. Thanks a lot, Bruce. But anyway, he did a bang-up job last year with uh, with the Revolution who have changed their, their logo. They did away with the uh, revolutionary flag, which I kind of dug. I, I really like that. So anyway, um, weird, interesting. They got Matt Turner, who was the 2021 MLS Goalkeeper of the Year, but he is going to be heading to Arsenal, but that is not happening until the summertime. So he'll be here until July when camps open in, in England, and then he'll be fighting Aaron Ramsdale for the number one job over there. So it's going to be interesting once you lose a guy of Matt Turner's ilk, who's really become an awesome goalkeeper over the past two years and has made... Zach Steffen life hell because Zach Steffen is no longer the number one for the U.S. Um, it's going to be tough when you lose your number one keeper in the middle of a season. So I want to see that's how that's going to happen. And they also lost Tejan Buchanan, who's a dynamic Canadian wing. He went to Club Bruges. In Bruges, you ever see that Colin Farrell movie? Great movie, great. Movie. Oh, so good, and a pretty good soccer team too. They got a, they got a lot of Noah Lang. They got a lot of kids that are that are really good and that are really going to probably uh, leave sometime soon and, uh, and explore bigger clubs in Europe. Um, intriguing, I guess, is one way to to say it. Um, they got Josie Altador. Um, Look, Josie's days with the U.S. have to be numbered. If he comes up anytime soon, I'm going to freak out on Greg Berhalter. Um, but I guess he's healthy because he hasn't been healthy in a number of seasons. He's still only 32. Scored four goals in 16 matches last season. Meh. They also acquired uh, Sebastian Leggett from uh, LA Galaxy, who's got 33 caps and eight goals for the U.S. men's national team. He's about, what, 28, 29 now. He's still still a pretty good player. He plays central midfielder. He can play attacking midfielder. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's in Greg Berhalter's plans come World Cup time. But, yeah, it's going to be an interesting uh, squad. Uh, I don't think that they've got enough to uh, repeat as supporter shield but they're going to be up there in the top three or four um i definitely think that you know once you got bruce arena and you got the, the right players around him um you know carlos heel was amazing he i know he's he was kind of a stinker his first go around in the mls uh you have to correct me if i'm wrong i think it was with houston but then he left and he came back and you know he's like 27 28 and now he's kind of got his act together and he's one of the best players in the league so you know it takes guys a little bit longer than than usual but uh we'll see what the revolution do yeah, and so that's interesting with Arena coming back, with Eltador, with Leggett. Seems like they're trying to get the old band together back in New England. And I don't know how that jives with what's going on in the league as a whole. Eltador is a throwback player. Bruce Arena is a throwback coach. How do you see that playing out with some of the more modern against some of the, te- the teams with more modern tactics in the MLS? Yeah, you know that goes back to my thing of you know if you don't change, are you are you stuck? Are you stuck behind? I mean, yeah, it worked last year because it was really like their first you know full campaign. Everybody was kind of excited and fresh, and he went off. And Arena has you know trusted and true tactics, but you bring in a guy like Altador, and I know that you know he's he's on a free, and uh, you know he can probably score some goals still, but if you're really depending on him to push the line forward, you're kind of falling back into those ways of MLS days past. And I don't think that that's really my biggest fear. Um, not that I'm a, a New England supporter, but I enjoy watching good soccer and that's what they played last year. So uh, yeah, I'd be a little concerned if I was a New England fan, um, you know, you know whether or not they're ever going to get out of Gillette Stadium is a conversation for another time. You know, they are owned by the Crafts and, and Robert Kraft is, doesn't seem to be too concerned about soccer when he used to have Tom Brady. But regardless... Um, yeah, we'll see. Another team that is is similar but different because um, they haven't uh, really changed much. But, man, if they just don't freaking contend every year is the Seattle Sounders. Um, and, and 
if I said to you that Drew Carey was an owner, would you believe me? I would not, but I guess that's true. Is that... Uh... Yeah, not only is he on the Price is Right, though, is it the Price is Right? It might be, but anyway, yeah, he's been a he's been an owner for years and years. Uh, they too play at a football stadium. They play where the Seattle uh, Seahawks play, and they are just every year. I mean, this was the club that Clint Dempsey, you know, really put on the map, and and they continue to have the best coach in MLS. I'm gonna say it, Brian Schmetzer. He's just amazing. He he looks like um, a, a biology teacher, mm. but he is a tactician. Uh, and they really have strengthened what was already a really strong roster. They essentially added two designated players in their prime years. Al- Albert Rusnak, who came over from Real Salt Lake, huge, huge loss for RSL. One of the reasons, uh, I, if you look around in most of the predictions, RSL is probably not going to be in the, the very bottom of the Western Conference. Um, and they get back Jordan Morris, who looked a little you know, bloated at times, you know, when we saw him play in the last, uh, the last rounds of the uh, world cup qualifiers. But again, he missed a, uh, basically a full season. He came back in the final weeks of 2021. He's going to be rusty. It's understandable, but you know, he should gain steam. And when, when Jordan Morris is healthy and what is he 28, he's, he's one of the best in the league, best wingers, um, if not the best. So again, it's hard to, it's hard to root against them. I mean, I, I don't, I don't care one way or the other, but they're just a dynamic team. They've still got Nico Ladero and Raul, uh, Raul Ruiz. Um, they're, you know, they're over 30, uh, but again, they're not going to be having to do as much heavy lifting as they've done in years past. Uh, so it really shouldn't be too much of a concern. Yeah. That, my, my question about the Sounders is just Jordan Morris. He's 27. He's coming off an injury. Uh, they used the word bloated to describe his performance and his appearance uh, during the last round of U.S. men's national team qualifiers. He's 27. This is his prime. I've been reading about Jordan Morris for years as the next great U.S. attacker, and he's the one that's going to score the goals and all this. He's 27. It's time to put up or shut up. It's do or die time. It's sink or swim. So if you had to bet a, bet a big wad of money on one side or the other, which season is this for Jordan Morris? Is it the one he takes the next step or the one that he fails to live up to his promise? I think he'll just be average. I think he'll be good for MLS. You know, he went to Swansea on loan and that's where he he tore up his knee again. So I think his, I mean, I don't want to say it's over his European dream, but I just don't see it happening. If he, I mean, uh, Swansea, I mean, yeah, you got hurt, but it's not, you know, him and Paul Ariola went over there and it, you know, it didn't work out for injuries or, you know, um, just mm-hmm. not playing very well overall. It's so I think he just sticks where he is. He's got a, he's got a nice setup there. He is, he is a very important part to that club. They need him to do well. He's going to start game in and game out. And I'm sure his, his priority, especially this year is staying healthy and making Greg Berhalter's, uh, you know, final 23, because again, we're in a world cup year. So if he can stay healthy, if he can do well, um, Greg knows him from his time in MLS. I will not be surprised if he plays. And I think he might even play probably too much because I think that there's more dynamic guys that are better, more fit that are, um, you know, in more of their form. But uh, again, we know Berhalter. He likes to go to the well with the guys that he knows Jossie's art is over and over again. All right. So yeah, I, I have probably the same feeling here is that uh, it's not going to work out like we initially thought for Jordan Morris, but Let's move on now to the Philadelphia Union, another East Coast team. How do you see the season playing out for them? You feel bad for Philly. They were so close to advancing to the cup last year. They had, what was this, some ridiculous 12, 14 guys on the COVID list when they had to play your NYCFC. And even then, they only lost 2-1. to one. So, And that was, in, yeah, obviously in the Eastern uh, Conference Finals. So uh, there's a lot to like about Philly this season. Uh, they got Jim Curtin. Jim Curtin's one of the best American coaches. Players love him. I got to interview him a couple times when I worked for Orlando City. I, I love Jim Curtin. He's such a down-to-earth guy. Um, really just... 
you could tell that if, you know, he played. So if you, you could tell he's a player's coach, um, the core of the defense for them remains intact with Jack Elliott and Jacob Glennis, um, central defense, is just look it's so important because Andre Blake Andre Blake is so good if you follow international soccer he's been the reason that the Jamaican national team has even been relevant for so many years and I know now they've got Mikel Antonio and they got Leon Valley and they've got some other guys that are really good um that are also playing in MLS but but Andre Blake it's like 32 33 um I think that this could be his last year in MLS if he wants that one legit shot to go overseas I think that there's any number of teams that he could play with in the EPL, in the Bundesliga, definitely in uh, Ligue 1. I think he could play uh, maybe uh, a Lille, a Nantes. Some some French team would be awesome. But he's really good. I really enjoy him. He's 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 skinny, but he's got a lot of agility. He's got great, great feet. And he can do a lot of things. And the, and he's he's just so important. Uh, and you see it when, you know, we see on a lot when those the World Cup qualifier years and, you know, you're comable and you lose guys like an Andre Blake because he goes to play for Jamaica. And now he's not there to play for Philly. And it, it shows up in the standings. So he's so important. And again, they've got their captain back for, you know, the unteenth year, Alejandro, Alejandro Bordoya, who used to be a U.S. men's national team player. Talk about a guy that never really lived up to the hype as far as uh, on the U.S. men's national team scale. He's very, very good uh, for, for Philly because he's comfortable. He could be like that model for, for Jordan Morris. Just stay where you are, find what you're good at, and, and make it work. But Doria did go overseas a couple times. He went to France. He tried it. He tried his trade. Yeah, it didn't necessarily stick. It's not for everybody. But the guy to keep your eyes on is Paxton Aronson. Yes, Brennan's little brother, Brendan Aronson, who who scored, or oh, it's not the score, but he set up a goal with an assist in the last uh, Champions League round for RB Salzburg. This kid, Paxton, they say, and Jim Curtin has said it may be better than his brother, Brendan. And Brendan is being looked at, we mentioned by um, by the EPL clubs, by AC Milan has looked at him. Um, so if this kid, Paxton, he's small, he's small, might be smaller than his brother, but he is good. He's fast, he's quick, he's got a heck of a foot. Um, so yeah, Philly's going to be good. I think Philly can challenge for the top spot in the East. Yeah, Paxton Aronson is someone I'm definitely going to keep an eye on. I'm excited to watch him. My question here is Jim Curtin. He is a former player. He is uh, good at man management. He has a style that has been described as a vertical tiki-taka style. So it's aggressive. It's pressing. He doesn't run a 4-3-3, but there's there's shades of some Klopp, some Guardiola in his style. It seems really modern and impressive. Mike, talk me off the ledge here that next time I see Greg Berhalter run out the wrong squad or play some ridiculous tactics, I shouldn't be screaming on Twitter for Jim Curtin to take over as the U.S. men's national team coach. I mean, you're more than welcome to, but I think you're going to get a lot of hateful retweets that the, uh, people are going to think he is Greg Berhalter because they are so you know similar in that in that mindset that they they love their players and they were in the MLS for years and years and. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that would be a good fit because I think that if Burhalter doesn't work out for one way or another, you know, let's say he, we hopefully we make the World Cup um, and we don't get out of the first round, which is always a possibility, he he will probably be on the chopping block. I think U.S. soccer is going to be forced to get a name, and I know we went down that route with Jurgen Klinsmann, but it's it's going to have to be somebody that's going to inspire instead of always criticize. Um, kind of the way like a Mancini does with Italy. Uh, and even like a Jose Mourinho, I think eventually the day needs to come for him to go back to Portugal. Because again, you've been through so many clubs at that that's really the next step. And I think for Jim Curtin, I don't know if he'd want that necessarily because he is so good. At, and it's funny because two years ago, he was almost fired from Philly because they were so below where they should have been. And people were talking about him, how he should have been out the door. So it was almost the same conversation we always have about Burhalter. So I will talk you off the ledge. 
and I hope for Philly's sake and Greg, uh, not Greg, I hope Greg does other things, but I hope for um, for the sake of Philly fans and and that he does well, Philly does well, and I really think that they can they could possibly go, you know, fight for that supporter shield. All right, very good. All right, so you talked me off the ledge a little bit. Anyways, the uh, the men's national team coach in 2026 is going to be Pep Guardiola, and I'm only half joking about that, uh, but we can debate that another time. Let's move on to one of the newer teams in the in the MLS, Nashville FC, who have reached the playoffs in their first two seasons. Yeah, impressive. Uh, the only interesting thing this year, they are no longer in the East, which always gets me confused because if you look at a map and you look where Tennessee is, it's a lot closer to the East than it is to the West. It's like Chicago. I fact check that. That's correct. Right. Yes, thank you. Uh, I, I appreciate true. that because I, I got a little worried that I was r- rambling. Um, so they're going to the West, okay? But luckily for them, they've got the best defense in the league, led by our boy, our man crush, Walker, the hair Zimmerman. He is yes. fantastic. He's the U.S. men's national team's best Best back. Don't let anybody tell you anything differently. Um, and they brought back a lot of experience, a uh, solid defensive midfielder in Sean Davis to ease the workload of Dax McCarty. McCarty's 34, literally has played for, I want to say, like eight different teams. He's been everywhere, Chicago, New York, um, Columbus. He's been around. He's But he's good. He's a good workman. He's he, he's, played, he's got a bunch of um, national team caps, so he's important to the team. Nashville only lost four times last year, but they finished third because they had eight draws over a 34 game season that's not good and then they only conceded 33 goals so everything with Nashville is built on defense so if you can get a slight uptick in offense that's definitely going to help you turn a lot of those draws into wins but the problem is on the flip side if that defense cracks a little and again we're talking you know what happens if Walker Zimmerman's mindset or games are taken away to go focus on the U.S. and he's not there those are going to potentially be turned into losses and now that you're in the Western Conference which is you know, a lot like the NBA to sorts, it's always been a little bit stronger than the East. You're not going to finish third. You may finish sixth. You may finish seventh. You know, you may not make the playoffs. So it's going to be a lot tougher. And Nashville cannot be overly reliant on two players. Walker Zimmerman, obviously, and Hanny Mukhtar. Mukhtar literally does does everything on offense. The team runs through him. He's the point of attack. He's the goal scorer, and which is fine and dandy. But if Hanny goes down for any length of time, you're going to be hopefully playing for draws so that you can pick up a point. Yeah, it's interesting. Moving to the West is going to be a definitely a different vibe for Nashville. My question here, and this is just a rhetorical question, is I'll be watching to see if Walker Zimmerman can become a really special defender. I mean, there's only a few defenders in in really all of football that you can point to that they can lead their club, they can lead their country, they can become that rock at the back who everyone feeds off of. Guys like Vincent Company, Sergio Ramos, Carlos Puyol for Barcelona – these guys for club and country are just incredible. And I think Walker Zimmerman has a little bit of that in him. So if he can up his game once again, is already a leader of Nashville. Maybe that transfers uh, to the U S men's national team. We'll see, but yes, he is, he is the man crush, the official man crush of this podcast. And I can't wait to uh, watch him operate back there. Last team we're going to talk about in depth. Let's go to uh, Colorado and talk about the Rapids. Coaching, coaching, coaching. It's huge. It's hu- It may be bigger in MLS than many leagues around the world um, just because, you know, perhaps the level of play isn't uh, quite, you know, and it's understandable. It's not what we're used to in Europe. And, you you know, you're going to go, please go to a game and do not think that you're going to watch 
any one of the big five or six leagues in Europe. Just don't, because you're going to get disappointed. And, I, and when I take people to the MLS, I have to give them that little bit of like roll with me here. Understand that you're not, this isn't, you know, what you're used to. It's a different style of football. There's excitement, but it's different. And that I, I, I give to coaching because coaches can get the very best out of these guys, especially the young guys that are coming up. And Robin Frazier, he's one of the best. Um, again, did not win coach of the year. Um, that went to Schmetzer, but this guy was awesome. He is such a, a, an important leader. He gets the most out of every player. But again, this team is going to have some challenges this year. They work on an, a very, very tiny budget. Um, and because of that, they had to sell some really important players. Right now, there's not even a designated player on the roster. And that's a problem because that remains a giant question of where your goals are going to come from. You're, you're, and again, if for every team that's not Miami, inter-Miami, you can have three DPs. Miami likes to have five. If you don't know about that, Google it. It's ridiculous. Anyway, last summer, the team sold Sam Vines, who's got a handful of men's national team caps. Then this offseason traded away Kellen Acosta. Kellen Acosta, we've talked about him. We love this guy. He's going to do so well at LAFC. And they loaned Cal Bassett to uh, Feyenoord in the Eredivisie. Cole Bassett, really exciting player. Feyenoord, not a bad team to to come up with, especially in, in a really good league. I, I like their Eredivisie. Um, you know, it's a, it's a couple steps ahead of the MLS, but, you know, it's a nice transition. Uh, I, I really think that's a good uh, good uh, role for him. The team did bring in some good young players like Lucas Estevez. He's a left back to replace Vines, Max Alves, and Brian Acosta. Um, but the loss of the other Acosta, the Kellen Acosta, it really it's going to be bigger than many realize, both in leadership and experience to the spine of the midfield, especially. We've seen what he do, uh, can do for the U.S. on free kicks, corner kicks, um, the way he just pinpoints the ball into people's heads and feet. Um, Brian Acosta is not going to be able to do that right away. He's not going to be able to do that by himself. He's going to need help. And I really worry for Colorado, a team that kind of came out of nowhere that no one had real any expectations for, that they could potentially fall back to the bottom bottom of the of the barrel. And you know, Robin Frazier is going to feel the pain of it when he really you know shouldn't. Maybe ownership needs to take a bigger stake in that. Yeah, ownership's an interesting uh, thing about Colorado. Before we jump into that, just a fun fact about the Colorado Rapids: they were the last team to lose a U.S. Open Cup final to a non MLS team in 1999 when they lost to my real hometown team, the Rochester Rhinos, who are now back yes. under uh, ownership of Jamie Vardy, the striker striker yeah. for Leicester, and there's going to be a reality show about it. So uh, Yeah, so and he's so- probably going to retire and go play for them in, like, what, two or three years? I love it. Uh, Rochester Rhinos, baby. That's, uh, that's the hometown club. So that's a fun fact. The other fun fact is that the Rapids are owned by Stan Kroenke. Well, not technically Stan Kroenke because he cannot own an NFL team like the LA Rams. And the uh, uh, MLS team. So his wife, who is a heir to the Walmart fortune and is worth uh, 10 times more billions of dollars than Stan Kroenke actually is. Who Stan Kroenke made his fortune by developing uh, shopping plazas connected to Walmart. So it's a whole thing. But it's 2022, the year of Stan Kroenke. The LA Rams win the Super Bowl. Arsenal is back. They are ready. They are making a Champions League push. Uh, The Nuggets have the MVP of the league. In, uh, in Nikola Jokic, and now the Colorado Rapids are going to win the MLS Cup. Mike, tell me I'm wrong. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're wrong. You're so wrong. I mean, I'd love for you to not be wrong. I have friends that have worked for that organization in the past, but yeah, I, I, I just I don't see it. Um, anything's possible. They proved that last year, but I, I don't see it. Um, with that, because you are... We're not doing six-pack six of the week, but I think you are...
With that, we're going to move on to the uh, MLS power rankings. And I'm going to give you first the rankings according to MLS. This is not this is not mine. This is not Tim. So uh, the top 10, you've got NYCFC. I, I understand, you know, reigning champion. Seattle, runner-up to New England 3, Supporter Shield. I mean, you're kind of seeing a trend here, right? Philly is 4, Nashville is 5, Colorado is 6. So there you go, Tim. That's for you. 7 is Portland. Atlanta is 8. LAFC is 9. And Sporting Kansas City is 10. Um... I mean, I feel like you really could have just looked at the standings last year and really just picked these. I don't know how much the MLS people... Not a lot of creativity there. Right, stuff, yeah. Probably. We didn't really go out on a limb. Um, uh, we kind of have gone over what I feel, what you feel. Um, if I had to pick one team that I think is my dark horse for, uh, for out of the East, I, I think I already said it's going to be Philly. And I think if I had to pick one coming out of the West, uh, I'm probably going to have to go at LAFC. I think this is, this is their year. They've got... Um, and we'll talk about them in a minute, but they've got, you know, big ownership um, between from Will Ferrell to Mia Hamm to Matt Johnson to, I think, I own 2%. So, I mean, everybody, everybody who's anybody owns a part of the club. And when you've got that much money, they, they remade their roster quite a bit. Um, any... Okay, so let's just let's put this date on the calendar. Today is what? Today is the, the 23rd of February. Mike is going with Philly versus LAFC. What is Tim going with in the MLS Cup? I'm going with NYCFC, of course, versus Colorado. The year of Stan Kroenke. That's my, uh, that's my, my call for the MLS Cup final. Okay, that, that's fair. That's fair. We've got some great weekend games. Uh, the Power Pack. Did you, did you name it the Power Pack? I did. It's our six pack of games. It's the, it's the six most important games that I'm looking forward to on the uh, on the MLS docket this weekend. So let me start with the New England uh, Revolution at the Portland Timbers. That one is 7:30 p.m. Eastern. It is just two teams who were in the top four last year, and it's going to be good to see Josie Altador again. See what Portland has this year. I think <laughs> I've always been a Josie Altador. Uh, Soft spot for him. You know, a lot of Romulo Lukaku vibes coming from Altidore. Yeah. So uh, there's some yeah, similarities there. But yeah. uh, New England and Portland, I think, is going to be the best game of the week. Uh, followed shortly behind by the Seattle Sounders and Nashville. Again, two playoff teams that I think can really go at it. And uh, any game that features Walker Zimmerman probably has to be in my top uh, six here. Then we go NYCFC LA Galaxy Sunday at 5 p.m. Uh, by Coastal Battle between uh, a team, the, the reigning champions, and a team that is really pushing hard to make the playoffs this year. So I think that's going to tell you a lot about where their teams are at, but the championship hangover for NYCFC, and uh, if LA Galaxy has made enough moves in the offseason to kind of get into the playoffs. Uh, LA Rapids versus LACFC. LAFC. Sorry. Colorado so Rapids. Many C's. No, so many Cs. So many I can't, I can't keep track of it, but yes. How did you get your favorite team, Colorado, confused? I mean, the Cronkies. Come on, man. Yeah, the, the Colorado and L LA Colorado Cronkies. The Colorado Cronkies and LAFC are going at LFC, like you said, they're owned by a bunch of celebrities. They got a bunch of star players. They got awesome black and gold uh, uniforms, and they're gonna. it's going to be uh, an interesting game when they play Colorado. Uh, in fifth is uh, Chicago Inter-Miami. Inter-Miami owned by David Beckham. Just uh, an interesting team. They get more uh, foreign big money players than anyone else for some reason. That makes no sense. But there's a salary cap. So uh, what? How does that work? Because he's Cam, David Beckham. Cam? He's just paying these guys Pen out of his yeah. pocket from the, the, the movie royalties, I, I think. Uh, and then Chicago with Jordan Shakiri, who we talked about last week. I'm interested to see uh, a guy who just uh, just 30 years old, a, a star in Europe, come over and play and see how he plays in that game. And finally... 
I'm not that interested in DC United, but it is the inaugural game for the newest expansion team, Charlotte FC, and that makes it a historic match Saturday at 6 p.m. So that's the same time as Chicago at Inter. Uh, if you have ESPN Plus, you can flip between the two. So uh, you have to probably have to make a decision there, but uh, that game could be over. Charlotte is not expected to be as good as some of the uh, some of the expansion teams recently, so that might be over early. So start with that game and then move on to Chicago and Inter Miami is my advice. Mike, what do you think about that? Uh, those game power rankings? Yeah, I definitely want to watch NYCFC LA Galaxy. Um, that that should be a lot of fun. It should be a wide open game. Could see like four three. NYC maybe coming on top. Uh, New England, Portland should be good. Seattle, Nashville, I'm really excited about. And I, you know, I want to see, you know, my pick LAFC. I want to see if they if they've got what it takes. If they can beat Colorado, I think that that'll be a you know kind of barometer for the season. Uh, Chicago into Miami is a dumpster fire of the highest order because they're just <laughs> two pitiful teams. Um, someone's gonna no, it'll be a draw. Nothing, nothing. And DC, yeah, DC did not get Tevez. They didn't get that deal over the line. So there's not much going on at DC. They sold Paul Ariola. He is now in um, in Dallas, Dallas FC, who is kind of like a feeder program. They, you know, they got Ricardo, uh, Ricardo Pepe. He went to the Bundesliga. So um, always kind of been that way um, in, in Dallas. So it'll be interesting. But uh, yeah, that that's the th- games that we're excited about that we're going to talk about that we talked about. But the game that I am most excited about is is Orlando City one o'clock against Montreal, and it's it, it's Montreal CF. It's like it's a French name. They changed it. It used to be like uh, in Montreal Impact. I don't know. We've got all fancy in French. I've already been really... very confused by all the C's. So I'm yeah, gonna there's a lot of one. C's. Calcio. I I don't know. I mean, I it, whatever. But anyway. The half pack is going to be uh, real quick. We're going to talk about the teams that are we're excited about that aren't necessarily going to contend, but could somebody could be the new Colorado Cronkies. It's very possible. And that to me is going to be Orlando City, my team, my heart and soul, the team that I support, the team that I worked for for a season. Um, the strength of this team is they've got one of the best underrated center back pairings in the league. Robin Janssen, which uh, he played for, used to play for AIK in uh, Sweden. Uh, one season where he was not playing due to injury, he was a cobbler. And uh, that's where Orlando City found him and said, do you want to come play? Uh, because he was splitting his time between making shoes and playing for uh, AIK. And Antonio Carlos, who is a giant Brazilian man. He is so big, so good, so fast. He's a great header. He's super ecstatic. Uh, he brings so much energy and liveliness to the club. Um, they've got a very solid defensive mid pairing in front of them with Sebastian Mendes, who's an Ecuador international. And it looks like they're going to be going to the World Cup, which is awesome. Uh, and Junior Urso, who I think is now is about 33. He played in the Brazilian uh, Serie A for years and years and years. Very good. Um, lots of energy. He's also got a, uh, a nice ability to score goals when needed. The problem is the weakness uh, is the attack. Um, but it's twofold. So the problem is, is that they, they got all new names because they sold Daryl DK. Um, they lost, uh, Chris Mueller to Hibs in the Scottish league. I'm not really sure why he wanted to leave MLS to go to the Scottish league. Rumor was, is that because he needed a year or two of his papers to become, to get his papers to work in Europe as a U.S. citizen, whether I believe that or not, it doesn't matter. And Nani, you're losing Nani. You lost your captain. You lost your legend. He went to Venezia and Serie A. Um, I would have resigned them, but I'm not in charge. So, and they they bring uh, Erkan Kara from Rapid Vienna on a free, which was awesome because the man had 37 goals and 19 assists in 84 appearances across Austria's top flight. Um, he also played in the UEFA Champions League and the Europa League. So, 
ton of experience. You're not going to get that for free from many people, um, unless you know you're Zedan Shakiri. Uh, he is more of a traditional center forward, uh, number nine. I like that. Um, something that you know Orlando City has been lacking when DK wasn't there last year and he was playing in Barnsley on loan. So it'll be important. Um, and then they bring in 21 year old Facundo Torres. He's a Uruguay international. He actually cost seven and a half million dollars, which is nice to see Orlando City investing with the Wolves, the Wolf family. They bought uh, they bought the club last year. Remember they own. Minnesota, uh, Minnesota Vikings. Uh, they got nine and a half million from DK to West Brom. So it's nice to see that they reinvested that money in a 21 year old kid with a lot of talent. And then they bring in their final DP is Cesar Araujo arriving from Montevideo Wanderers. Uh, central midfielder was named club MVP in his uh, final season where he uh, had 63 appearances and is only 20 years old. Kid has a lot of experience in South America's top tournaments, the Copa Libertadores and the Suda Americana. So I'm excited. Um, pretty much, if you look at the projections across MLS, people who know what they're talking about, they've got them anywhere from 4th through ninth, which is kind of vague. Um, I hope to just make the playoffs, which would be nice. I would love to actually win a round like we did two years ago. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I think if these three guys um, can kind of make a difference, especially the two up top, and then they've got uh, Sebastian, Vanderwater, who came over, uh, to not was it before last year? He played one full season um, in Orlando. He has got uh, Erdovice ex- experience with Herculano. He is another really exciting player who should be able to slide in and take over for Chris Mueller. Yeah, it's interesting. Orlando City is definitely a team uh, I'm going to keep an eye on. I know uh, what a big fan you are, so that is uh, is definitely a team to watch down in the South. Now, just a couple more teams, and Mike, I want to hear one thing about each of these teams that you're interested in, because these are teams that are going to get a lot of headlines, whether they do well or not. But uh, so something to keep an eye on for people for LA, LAFC, LA Galaxy, and Inter Miami. All right, LAFC new coach. Uh, Steve Chirundolo is coming over. Uh, Bob Bradley left for Toronto. Again, we talked about uh, all the guys that um, they had to revamp the roster, bringing in Kellen Acosta. They acquired um, a handful of veterans as well. Maxine Crepeau from Vancouver Whitecaps is a really, really underrated goalkeeper. They brought in defender Franco Escobar from Atlanta United. Ryan Hollingshead, who's an LA native, they brought him in from FC Dallas. I think he's going to be awesome on the wing. And then Ishmael Tajuri Shirati from NYC FC. They got him through a trade, a three-team trade with Chicago, uh, Charlotte FC. So they remade that entire roster. This is a really good team. They are my sleeper to win the West. Um, and then going over to the other team in LA, uh, I mean, it's Douglas Costa. Uh, I, you know, I think he's, he's 32, but he, again, Bayern, Juve, uh, was playing in Brazil most recently. I think he's still got a lot of um, explosiveness that he can bring to the wing. Uh, they did let go of uh, Jonathan Dos Santos and they lost Sebastian Leggett, but they still got Chicharito. And after one uh, down year last year, he played really well. I think he scored 17 goals. So you put those two guys up top and you might have uh, the makings of a team that can make some noise. And you might actually finally have a rivalry and they call it in LA El Trafico which is pretty cool because if you've ever been to LA, you know that it takes you an hour to go 20 minutes, which should be 20 minutes, which is like three miles. So that I, yeah, I lived there for a long time. So I know, um, the other team that you, I think you're more of a fan, we dislike them greatly here in Orlando because they, they're our natural rival. They Again, you, you'll, you'll see, and we'll talk about this later in the shows to come, but derbies, MLS tried to force these derbies on top of us. Um, derbies have to be a natural thing. So they tried to make Atlanta and Orlando City a derby. It's, it, look, it's six and a half hours from where, where I live to Atlanta. It's not, a, it's not a derby. It's not across the street. Inter-Miami, it's still about three and a half, four hours, but it's, it's a Florida thing. It's a rival. And their fans love to come and start 
crap. And, and and we do likewise when we go down there, even though they play in Fort Lauderdale. So we call them Inter Fort Lauderdale, technically. So um, anyway, uh, it's a mess. It's been a mess. But you know what? I will give them credit. They admit that it's a mess. Uh, the Neville, the other Neville brother is still there. Um, he's there because he, did, should he have left the English women's national team? Probably not. I don't think that that was a good move for his career, but his boy, David Beckham, is the owner. Um, they've still got Gregor and Gonzalo Higuain, who now is, I don't know, 48 and completely bald. Um, and, and look, they've got a, DeAndre Yedlin. He's back. He's back from Turkey. Galatasaray just let him go. They had no no use for him anymore. Um, it consists of a nice veteran core, but it's going to take time to adjust. The team also cut a lot of expensive players, such as um, the older Higuain brother, Federico. Uh, Rodolfo Pizarro went back to Mexico. That just did not work out at all for him. Ryan Shawcross, who used to play for Stoke, and Leandro Gonzalez-Perez, who's played with a number of teams, uh, NYCFC being one of them, Atlanta, um, got rid of all those, got to clean out because, again, they have five DPs, which just shouldn't have been a thing. Blaise Matuidi is still there, um, who played for years and years at PSG and Juventus. Um, so it, it's a good team. It's an exciting team. I'm sure I'll go and I'll watch just because of that that rivalry that does exist um, in those those beautiful pink jerseys. So, um, but yeah, I'm sure, you, again, if anybody doesn't know... MLS, a lot of these players and fans gravitate to, to David Beckham. And you've even seen the thing where um, recently Neymar came out and said, I'd love to play one year in the MLS. And of course, everything was pictured with him with an Inter-Miami jersey on. So whatever. I mean, again, it's one of those things where I'm coming from Europe. I want to play in either LA or Miami. I mean, I really? I mean, look closer. Those aren't necessarily the best teams in the league. Yeah, they're not the best teams in the league, these guys, but they're some of the most interesting. The players, I mean, some of them can still play. Costa, Chicharito, Gonzalo Higuain. I mean, these guys were were once great, and uh, they will probably have moments of greatness again this season. So that's uh, one reason to tune in. The coaches are also interesting. Steve Chirundolo, obviously a very familiar U.S. men's national team name. See how he adjusts to the coaching ranks. And then Phil Neville, like you said, did did great things with the with the English women's national team. Maybe he should stay off Twitter a little bit. Maybe that'll be better with uh, Inter Miami, and because uh, that was part of the reason he uh, he probably left there. But then and then Kellen Acosta, I think, is the is one of the biggest names in the league from an American perspective, and we'll see whether he can develop into the real U.S. Men's National Team number ten because I think he's got a real shot at that. Which brings us to our very last news of the week: uh, U.S. Men's National Team. It's got some tough injury news. Weston McKenney broke his foot. He is out for eight to twelve weeks. And one more, yet another setback for Gio Reyna. He will be out with a hamstring for a couple weeks at least. Mike, what are your takeaways from those two U.S. men's national team injuries? Ugh. I hate the fact that McKinney's out, uh, you know, for his sake. Um, you know, I'm not a Juve fan at all, but, you know, he, he was a lot of fun to watch. Champions League, obviously hurting himself against Villarreal out to, to 8 to 12 weeks. Um, if you saw the game, it did look like a little bit of a dirty play, almost like a two-footed tackle off the ground. Um, I know he went in with one, but then he crossed uh, McKinney's body, so it was definitely two, and he, his feet came off the ground. How he didn't get a card, a red card, I'm not really sure. He's going to miss the next three games, at least for the U.S. men's national team, which are so so important um to to obviously this is it if we don't we don't win two out of three or or take points in three um there's not going to be another uh you know world cup appearance in our future so that stinks and I, i'm really upset too because i wanted to see him when i when they come here and play in panama um in late march and then Gio Reyna, they're saying it's only going to be about a two-week thing that he's going to be out it's not as severe as it was ah man these these soft 
muscle fibers. I mean, there must be something in the water at Dortmund where these guys just can't stay healthy because you look at Christian Pulisic and you look at the Jaden Sanchos of the world and even when Aubameyang was there and um, it just goes on and on. I don't know. It just needs time to fire the entire training staff because um, something's not right. And, you know, you got to you got to look at you got to look at why these guys are getting hurt. What kind of preparation are they doing? You know, what is it? Recovery, rest recovery. What are we doing? Are we eating the wrong foods? Uh, stretching? I don't know. But it's it's definitely needs to be avoided. And for the U.S. men's uh, hope, uh, this kid's dynamic. He's awesome. He can play any number of positions, three or four different positions from the wing to the middle. Uh, he could even be up top if he needed to. So I hope he's healthy. Don't rush him back at this point. But if you can get him for the final three or two of the final three or one of the final three, um, I hope he can uh, get there and make it difference yeah and that's you know it just got me thinking that for qualifying it's not a good thing for the u.s team but on in one hand we're, we're lucky that the the world cup this year doesn't start in june because uh, i wonder if, if McKenney and reyna would both be kind of questionable for that start time uh but now what worries me is that it does start in late november which is going to be right at the end of a long mls season for a lot of these mls players it'll be just in the beginning of the european season so th- those guys will have had an off season they'll just be kind of rounding into form. Hopefully they won't have a long stretch of, of possible of being injured before that. So just something to keep an eye on with the weird timing of the world cup this year. Uh, and these guys are going to, cause I think that when the regular season ends, what, like October 12th, I want to say October 9th, October 12th in MLS and then playoffs after that. And then you roll right into the world cup. And that is a lot of games. I mean, soccer players around the world play a lot of games. It seems like none get a break ever with all the competitions that go on. But really, these MLS guys are going to be going straight until 2023 from Saturday until until uh, until 2023 with no real break. So that uh, that worries me a bit. Yeah, especially Canada too, Canadian national team who are you know poised to make their first World Cup since I believe 1980s. 87 88 something like that they've actually got more mls players on on their national team than the u.s so you know definitely something that is going to affect them as well i care Um, less about their injury status in the u.s team but yeah i understand your point that's fine (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't want them to win. I mean, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a U.S. homer, totally. But yeah, I think that it's probably more of a, a damaging thing for them uh, than True. for the U.S. Just because, you know, we've got so many players across Europe because we're a soccer powerhouse. Woo-hoo! And we are a soccer powerhouse podcast. Thank you for listening to our Big Six Roundup, our MLS preview. We'll be back next week, I'm sure, talking about the first weekend MLS and, of course, the Big Six and half teams across the Premier League. Mike, thank you for uh, chatting today. Tell everyone where they can follow us on social. Of course. Thank you, Tim. Uh, big six and a half, big number six and a half at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Follow us. Please go to your favorite podcast distributor, uh, probably Spotify or Apple Podcasts at this point in your life. Uh, type in big six and a half. Leave a five-star review. Leave a rating. Tell us what you like. Uh, you can hit up Andrew Kula to tell us what you don't like because he loves to talk smack over the internet. But anyway, it's been a pleasure as always. I'm Mike Calandrillo. He's Tim Crean, and we'll be back next week 